JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, good afternoon on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go ahead and settle in with a lot of conversation. A lot of good folks on this show today. Greg Rakestraw, bottom of the hour. There's a ton to get to with Greg across the board. Some of these jobs... These high school basketball jobs are getting filled. I saw where Coach Zick goes to Southport. Uh, that happened yesterday. Kyle Neddenrip of the Star had that. Shout out to Kyle. Uh, that, my Sycamores of Indiana State in baseball, I believe that they have Ball State today, and then maybe three consecutive with Murray State, and then they have to go to Missouri but they've like won 20 of 21 or something wild like that. Mitch Hanna is the head coach. is going to join us tomorrow, so you probably know how this is going to go. That means they'll lose today. But the head coach of Indiana State, the baseball program, which has been red hot recently, he's going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow. But we'll get a lot of stuff to get to with Greg. I mean, Greg can get to you know, and close out some of those loose ends we were talking about with the transition they're making uh, with the G League team from Fort Wayne to Noblesville. I'm going to have a, a lot of venues around here. A lot of venues for sure. Talk about that. Talk about the Indiana's Farmers Coliseum and uh, the use that's going to be put into that now that obviously the Indy 11 are going to have their own facility and so on and so forth. But Greg's going to join us at the bottom of the hour with that and more. Uh, He is back. He hasn't been on here in a while. I can't remember who the guy was in between, but we went Sam Monson to PFF and then somebody else and then Ben Brown. Uh, We kind of joke around at times. I don't know if Sam ever really took that as a joke when we referenced it as nerdery. I don't know if he got it or not. Maybe he got it, but he didn't like it. But Sam Monson is back from PFF. We're going to go over a lot of NFL stuff. 
And, uh, of course, the draft. You know, I mentioned yesterday, and actually this goes back to last week. Somebody asked me about the draft, or I should say, somebody asked me about the release of the schedule. And, uh, of course, we, we found out last week it's going to be the 11th. It is. And I saw where Mike Chappell had mentioned that maybe, just maybe, the Colts end up getting a game overseas here. I think the opportunities would be Tennessee and Jacksonville. And this goes back to 2016. This was not a good moment for the Colts because they lost the game. They were a mess, and there was a lot of stuff swirling around. And, you know, that's when I was friends with Dwayne Allen. And then after that day on the air, that Monday on the air, uh, we really hadn't talked since. It was just ugly. But that was the close of the weekend. It was a great time over there. I would advise... If this team, and they will sooner rather than later, be back, let's just say, for example, in London, that I would advise you go because it was great. And I did not want to go. I did not want to have to pack clothes. I did not want to have to get out of my kind of rain managed routine that I have, right? I mean, I, I do. I'm very routine oriented. I didn't want to get out of it. I thought, man, let somebody else go. No, you're going. All right, so I went, and I have never been so glad that others around me had changed my mind regarding something than that because it was outstanding. Had a great time with Bullseye, and Kyle put on a show over there, Kyle Kinnett. So I would be, uh, I'd be going again, and I would advise you at some point to go again as well. So maybe, maybe not. We'll find out coming up on the 11th. But we'll see. If they go back overseas, you definitely do it. Sam Monson will talk about that and more coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. A lot of you have had questions once again. It is what well, had been the past couple of years because of COVID. And, and obviously, you know, you, you lifted the, the blackout for a couple of years. It got lifted going all the way back to the 100th. Uh, because there were just no more tickets. But this has been a conversation that in the past, it's kind of turned into, for me, like the Pete Rose and the Bob Knight and the class basketball. However, there are still very valid reasons as to why people will bring up why in the world there is still a blackout of television around here. And I can say this, and it's not like you don't know because you're listening to my ass right now. I mean, you know that I work here. You know that I do a pre-race. You know that this station has the rights to the race. So, I mean, you know where I am with this. However, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't legitimately good arguments about it. Because I do, even sitting where I sit, I see both sides. And I think that that really the, the other side that has been so outspoken over the years, I think we're coming closer and closer to finally having to come up with something that maybe will make more sense. And I don't know if that means pay-per-view. I'm assuming it will locally, but there are a lot of really good arguments for it. I mean, me, I mean, for one, I do it. I'm out there. I mean, you know me in radio. I love it. 
But, I mean, they also tell me here, hey, not only are you doing radio, but, hey, let's go ahead and put you on YouTube. Let's put you on video, too. I mean, the ugliest human alive. Let's go ahead and make sure his handsome, chiseled features are seen by folks inside the lounge via YouTube Live. So, you know, I, I try my, my damnedest not to come across as a hypocrite, but, I mean, you guys know where I am. I mean, you know where I am in terms of radio, how much I love it, and this is, you know, what I do. But we're going to bring Doug Bowles on to further kind of tighten up things right now. Again, this is that annual argument that we have or at least have had in the past that with the news late yesterday, in fact, it either happened right at the very end or as I got off the show. And, you know, for those that are older, I mean, I talk about going out there and having fun. That's exactly what I do. But I'm still able and capable Uh, To get out there and do it. I know there are some that would like to watch it, but just can't, you know, go through the walk. Because that's a day right there. I mean, that is a day. You get out there and you do your thing and you're walking everywhere. But I'm going to let Doug Bowles explain even further into that. Coming up at about 430 I mean, it's always better because I know all you guys are going, oh, well, you're just on the radio. You're just doing it from the radio side. Well, of course, I'm just doing it from the radio side. But that doesn't mean I don't recognize some of the legitimate arguments that remain. That either remain or altogether kind of new. I mean, I could see it. But yeah, I am on the radio side. Yeah, we'll be out there again coming up this year. I think I was just uh, actually before I walked in here trying to get trying to get my parking sticker so I can get out there at about 2 in the morning. That's what I did last year. Um, I'm very famous for sleeping in the front seat of my vehicle. (laughs) So that's another place where I have done it. So what I do is the JMV takeover on the Saturday night, the takeover on the Saturday night before the race, and I leave here. I kind of go an extra hour or so. Uh, Then I get tired. I'll bug out of here and then head out to the track. And I got to have a special sticker to get in out there at that time and get a couple of hours of sleep and then go over and do that pre-race show, which I think starts at around 4.30 or 5 or something like that, whatever. But we'll be out there once again, and we'll do the JMV takeover the night before. Once again, it has... It has become an annual thing, an annual thing that I'm proud of. You know, that's that's part of this entire event is just things that you do, whether it's a reunion or a get-together or a backyard barbecue. We had Jake in here yesterday that mentioned, like, the third most popular reason why folks have told him they listen to the broadcast on the radio is when they're cleaning out their garage on that day. Whatever floats your boat. But... There are a lot of reasons why everybody gets together on that day that go well beyond the race itself. And that's what makes it special. Uh, Doug Bowles will talk to us about that. We'll talk to us about the Grand Prix, as I call it, the Grand Prix that's coming up this weekend as well. That really does get everything officially going. I mean, I don't know what type of value you put in it but the gates open up, they let you in, and there's racing. So that's pretty good. That's a good day. That's a good Saturday for you. Doug Bowles will talk about that, talk about Carb Day as well. He's going to join us this afternoon at 4.30. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, 
And this is for this is good, right now, James? Five o'clock hour. Uh, Brian Adams is the headliner. He is the headliner of the 2023 Carb Day performance. Both he and Soul Asylum out there, and uh, Brian Adams' home base is in Vancouver, British Columbia. And Brian Adams is going to join us coming up at five o'clock today, or then somewhere in that neighborhood of five o'clock. That is your headliner. In fact, the headliner is just about set to take off on what is a nationwide, soon-to-be worldwide tour. And one of those initial stops is going to be here at IMS. We'll get his reaction when being asked how long he is going to stay. We'd mentioned when Dave Perner of Soul Asylum was on the show going back a couple of weeks ago, he was going to stay for the entire weekend. And we'll see if Brad Adams ends up staying for the entire weekend as well. But again, I promise you a great time. It will be an outstanding time. One of those things where when you go to a show, There are a lot of variables where you come away and you enjoy it. And a Carb Day performance has a lot of those variables that you look forward to built in. What you also need is a relatable and a notable performer. And I've mentioned this before, a lengthy catalog. And he brings that. He brings a number of sing-along type of songs, songs that you know. And Brian Adams will join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour and talk about what he expects from that experience at Carb Day in a couple of weeks. Brian Adams in the 5 o'clock hour. We have tickets, by the way, for Carb Day. I have tickets as well for qualifying. And then coming up at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I want to say this is in August. Uh, We used to call it a Fresh Fest, and uh, LL Cool J has put together a number of his hip-hop friends in celebration, right? Uh, 50 years of hip-hop. Um, he has put together a lot of his friends that will perform at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. He will be the lead, and we will get you uh, tickets at some point over the course of the afternoon. A pair of tickets to go see LL Cool J. Big Boy, Bones Thugs, and Harmony um, is down there as well. Um, and others. I mean, it's a really strong show. It's interesting, too. You got that show going on at Gamebridge, and then our good friend DJ Gino has put together a 50 Years of Hip Hop celebration in June up at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and that is outstanding. You know, Rakim, a very being Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Cool Mo D, MC Light, Rob Bass. So that's going to be a good time, too, and I will have tickets for that event at some point as well. All right, so we got all that going on today. Uh, NBA postseason from last night. It's interesting. You had the day before, and you had games that got even up, series that got even up. And then last night, you had a couple of teams that put the other on the brink. And I guess I never thought that the Lakers would put Golden State in this position, so more power to them. It's kind of like with both the Miami Heat and what they're doing now with the Knicks and the Lakers. It just looked like we sized up both of these teams inaccurately because they have had closing ability. And they've had guys that can find it. And you know what's funny about the Lakers? It's it's not like all about, you know, LeBron or Davis. You saw last night. And Lonnie Walker, 15 in the fourth. You know, Austin Reeves continues his high level of play. 
I don't like the Lakers, and I certainly don't root for them, but watching guys come off the bench and make big shots and big moments that you are not really accustomed to seeing, pretty cool. I like that. To a degree, the same holds true with the Heat, but they have a lot of the usual suspects that are still doing work for them. And the Knicks are kind of just getting flushed right down the toilet right now. I saw Mike Greenberg this morning. I had to, This is where we are, right? You can't just have a casual conversation about what was good and what wasn't good. You got to keep like pressing the envelope on stupidity, especially for this morning stuff. So, and I don't know if he was on from 10 until noon. I just saw this, and I saw this via Twitter this morning, and I said, what in the world's happening here? So the Lakers should rest guys when this series and Golden State down 3-1 goes back to San Francisco. They should rest their guys because there's no way in the world they're going to win at Golden State, and they just should rest guys. I will say this. If the game is out of reach, then, yeah, rest guys. Rest your 38-year-old star, LeBron James. Do that. Um, Rest, uh, at times, what can be somewhat of a paper tiger in, in Davis. I mean, that's fine with me, but rest them before the game? The hell kind of takes that so you get that you get that and then the whole Knicks excuse and this is what we watched last night we saw a Miami Heat team that played harder you know oftentimes we say that oftentimes you say that and you don't know if it's true or if it's false well that other team just played harder I mean you say that on all levels you can't really tell at times you can't last night you could tell If there was a difference between one team playing harder than the other, uh, you saw last night the Heat playing harder than the Knicks. And the the Greenberg take was, it's just different when you go to the humidity of Miami. Like, they're playing outside. See, what's going on here? This is where we are. We we have to, and I, I refuse to get involved in just saying, like, I'm trying to think. When was the last really ridiculous thing that I said? I don't want any jokes inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Well, what time was it yesterday? I mean, I was the one that talked about Quentin Nelson, left guard, the left tackle. It, that made sense in my head. All right? That made sense in my head. I'm the one that talked about you know, drafting Luck and keeping Manning and letting Luck learn behind Manning. You know, that made sense at the time in my head, and hell, probably would have worked out better now the way you look at it, or maybe not, but it made sense in my head. But in no way, shape, or form are the Knicks struggling, or did they struggle last night because of the heat and humidity in South Florida? What the hell's happening here? And that's where you are. You just, you get people that get to a point to where you you exhaust all these incredibly ridiculous hot takes. And then you got to take it to the next level. All right, so where am I going to go from here? I mean, and, and you basically, you've ceilinged out. The next thing you say is just ridiculously stupid. It's no longer a hot take. It goes into the category of this is just stupid. <laughs> so I try really hard. I try really hard. Sometimes I'll get sidetracked by stupidity. Don't get me wrong. It's easy. But 
when you have to do something like that or you feel compelled to do it, you know, be that hot take artist on a, a daily or a morning by morning basis, this is where it can lead you to sound like a complete idiot. I mean, it's that's ridiculous. Now, last night, if you really truly wanted to say that one team played harder than the other, especially in the second half, you saw it. The Heat did. The Heat got after every loose ball, got after every offensive rebound. They just did a lot of things that the Knicks could not do. And even uh, Julius Randle said it after the game. It just kind of seemed like they wanted more or something like that, paraphrasing for him. And that was true. And it had nothing to do with the humidity or you had to go all the way to Miami. Now, listen, if your guys go out the night before to the strip joint and get hammer locked up and you come out there all slow because you're hungover, that's one thing. I couldn't tell if they were hungover, but I could tell that they were getting their ass worked by a team that wanted it more at that moment. Like, I would have gone with the whole South Beach thing, but see, you can't because you've already pressed again forward you you were at the seat. You're in the attic of hot takes. You're in the attic of hot. T- I don't know where you're going to go after this. And you feel compelled that we got to arrest these guys before they even play. In the heat and humidity, I would guess that there was heat and humidity in Miami. I would guess last night and whatever the hell they call it arena down there it used to be crypto something and some airlines arena it used to be Miami arena but whatever they call it now I'm quite sure that they had the air conditioning on did they it's just what happens now you call me out for being stupid and I may have a stupid take I'm sure I have some stupid takes at some point in me but it's not because I'm trying to run the gamut on hot takes. I've just kind of reached a point where I can't go any further. I mean, you almost have to wait for somebody to come up and rescue you with an incredibly stupid hot take themselves. That kind of rescues you, saves you from that moment. That's just silly. Uh, you saw it last night, this one team that was tougher. Hey, somebody has to tell me this. One vote... For NBA All-Defense for Tyrese Halliburton? Is there a way we can find out? James, see if you can find out who gave Tyrese Halliburton one vote. Because if Tyrese Halliburton deserved a vote for All-Defense, I think I do too. And believe me, I love Tyrese Halliburton. Love him. He has been just essentially what is exactly necessary for this team. Just not defensively yet. And he would be the first to tell you, not defensively yet. Now, we were kind of kind of joking when the guys, James and Jimmy and Eddie, were walking out and we were walking in. I said, so who voted? Who has the votes around here? Tony East vote? Who else votes? Well, it had to be somebody here, right? That voted once. Say, so I'm not seeing anything online about Come it. Come on, James. You got to track that down. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just joking. You probably won't be able to track it down. We're going to have to go, James, on word of mouth here. Now, if there is 
an essential part of the game that he needs to work and work heavily as a part of, it is his defense. And again, he'd be the first to tell you. Uh, it wasn't likely that he was going to guard vigorously this season. Now, I love it. I love what he can do for the Pacers moving forward, but both he and his teammates, at some point, you do have to recognize that there is another end of the floor. And believe me, I'm sure we are not the only ones that are saying that. Their coaches are saying the same thing. So I don't know. Like me getting a vote for all defense. I don't even run down the floor half the time. <laughs> that made me laugh, though. But no, the guys, we were talking about it, and uh, Eddie Garrison brought up, you know, maybe it was Wally Zerbiak. You know, remember Wally Zerbiak uh, doing the next television thing and what he said about Halliburton back during the season. Maybe it was Wally Zerbiak. That's pretty funny. Yeah, either Wally Zerbiak or somebody around here. I think we must find that out. <laughs> Classic stuff, though. Really is. Yeah, one old defensive vote for Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up a little bit later on, too. Another night of the postseason got for you a little MLB worked in there as well. Got a busy show, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. And with busy shows, that means we're giving away a lot of stuff. Sad news in Louisville today. Uh, legendary head coach Denny Crum has passed away at the age of 86. You know, and obviously in, in 1980, um, here, and then obviously in 86 at Reunion Arena in Dallas is what I remember the most, and especially that year of 86. That year of 86, I brought this up before, at Reunion Arena in Dallas, it was kind of the coming out party of Mike Krzyzewski and Duke. So if you hate Duke right now, it was that moment where they kind of started their their climb upward to be one of the blue bloods of college basketball. Of course, they ended up losing and never nervous Purvis Ellison was the player of the game in 1986 for that Louisville team. And Jeff Hall was a sharpshooter and Jeff Hall had some of the smarter or the smallest shorts, some grape smuggler specials on back in 1986, but an incredibly memorable final four. And an incredibly memorable head coach of the college ranks for so many years, Denny Crum, has passed away at the age of 86. Many down in Louisville are grieving regarding that passing uh, that happened, announced a little bit earlier today. Uh, meantime, 239-1070 is the number. Email address. JMV at 1075thefan.com inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll jump in there with everybody coming up in just a minute as well. Yeah, it did. It sounded ridiculously stupid. <laughs> the the humidity. It's just different. It's different when you go to Miami. Well, it's different when you cause it to be different. When you go out and make it different, that's when it's different. It's not so much the, well, oh, my God, the weather. How in the world are we going to live up to the expectation and then keep up with this heat team that plays in this all? I mean, what? It's inside of the AC. Again, that's what happens when you take your hot takes 
to one point. There is a final point to where you got to wait for somebody else to come with you and say something equally or certainly in this case more stupid than to give you a little bit more room to work. That has made me laugh. Something else I found out today, I never really thought Brooke Lopez was an accomplished defensive player. Have I not been noticing? He made the all-defensive team, too. I never viewed him as an accomplished defensive player. Maybe I should have. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Mention Sam Monson, PFF, 4 o'clock hour. Doug Bowles, Speedway president, 4 o'clock hour. Singer, songwriter, guitarist extraordinaire, Brian Adams in the 5 o'clock hour. And Greg Rakestraw is going to answer some questions coming up on the other side. 239-1070 if you want to jump on board. Again, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Particularly from Jalen, was how hard it is to go down to Miami and play this time of year. And I know people will immediately associate that with the nightlife and all that. But according to Jalen, there's more than that. There's also just the reality of the temperature change, the heat, the geography, being down there for three days. It sort of saps a little bit of your energy and your strength. We talk about that primarily in football. I know this is an indoor sport. But, I mean, the Knicks, whatever it is, Jimmy Butler is just has, has just destroyed them. <laughs> Jimmy Butler destroying the Knicks is not because of the heat and the humidity and being in Miami for three days. Unless you're just getting crap hammered down there the entire time and going out and, and tucking bucks or whatever, right? Yeah, that certainly wasn't the reason last night. That is the absolute best. I think we need more ridiculously hot takes just like that. John Dishour, by the way, who is a meteorologist by trade. Uh, JMV, I'm not an HVAC expert, but I know a little bit about air temperature and humidity. The arena is air conditioned. To drop the air temp, you usually need to reduce the humidity. Good call. <laughs> that is so good. See, that's just what happens. That's what happens when, I mean, you you raise the bar on saying stupid crap so high that that's how you end up looking. I tell myself every day not to do it. I mean, not to say something stupid. I do. I tell myself every day, yeah, don't go on there and say something stupid. You know, like what they do, you touch the sign, play like a champion today. You know, when you're coming out of the locker room in Notre Dame, um, I, I come in and say, don't say something stupid today. But while I still say stuff that's stupid, just not that stupid. And I don't even know who you make an excuse for. You're making an excuse for on that. Yeah, Skivy says, so Halliburton got a vote and Miles got shut out. Miles got shut out. That's yeah, all right. Miles got shut out. Hey, listen, my my situation with Miles all good. I feel as if, and I know actually, as if I've won that battle. If you have been with me on that battle around here, if you've been on that battle, then we've all won that battle. Yeah, Blake, that's probably accurate right there, to be honest. That is so good. 
need more indoor sports that struggle with the heat and humidity. Yeah, it's funny, too. I'm going to tell you, the summertime's the best time to play, and I always take offense when the ACs turn down that much because that's that's when you drop water weight in the summer playing hoop. That's when you really sweat. It was a good time to play. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, this is from Damon, JMV. I spent my entire life listening to the race, even the few times it was on TV and nothing better. Mike King, Bob Jenkins, Tom Carnegie, Paul Page, Mark Janes now. Some should embrace the past, just my opinion. I think here's where you get, and while Damon, I would agree just from where I sit daily and where I'm going to sit coming up on race day morning. However, to continue to grow it around here where it is most vibrant, where it clearly matters the most, There can be between that and if you're of the older generation and you want to watch and you don't want to have to wait until it's replayed later on in the night and you know you can't walk around out there and make it. I do understand all those are valid arguments. Valid arguments. And at some point, now even Mr. Radio Guy and I will always be that, you got to understand that at some point you're going to have to meet in the middle somewhere. There has to be a way to do both, to satisfy everybody. And my thought is this. My thought is, regardless, people still, much like you, Damon, are going to listen to it on the radio because that's just what people do. And people are still going to go to the event because that's just what people do. I mean, maybe if you have it on, you catch a fringe fan that wasn't so down with Birmingham, wasn't really down with Long Beach, not too much on the road courses or the street courses, but this is the greatest spectacle. This is the greatest spectacle in the market where it matters most. At some point, at some point, you would think they would have to meet. Uh, Doug Bowles will explain coming up at 4.30 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. His name is Greg Rakestraw. He joins us now. Hello, Greg. Hello, sir. My apologies for my tardiness. Now, that's okay. Give me a little storyline because I'm going to have Mitch Hannes on tomorrow, the head coach of the baseball squad over at Indiana State. Are they winners of 20 of 21? Am I right about that? Yes, because they went 16-1 in April. Since I did the game on Tuesday, they won in Illinois. That makes a 17-1, and and they swept Bradley. You are correct, sir. Your Indiana Central, Vincent University, Indiana State math is correct. They are 120 of their last 21. It was you, Indy, when I was – it wasn't Indiana Central when I was there. How old do you think I am, dude? It, it, it was ICU on the side of the library. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Is you, Indy. They just didn't – I just got – I got rubbed out trying to take an algebra test back then, so that wasn't my. Mrs. Farwater for turning you in like that, I can't believe. She <laughs> I know did it. This. I know it. I'm much like D Day at Animal House. I got an incomplete for that. She gave me gave me a little helper right there. Oh, it's just it an incomplete. It's okay. 0.0. Yeah, it's just an incomplete. I can take that again. Everything's okay. It's all good. Um. Anyway, where 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 was I? Yeah, about this team. What stands out? 
to this Indiana State team to where they have pushed this winning to 20 of 21 and obviously making a more than a ripple right now in the world of collegiate baseball to this point. Pitching, defense, timely hitting. So they felt, I'm not sure they felt he was like a, a Sean Manaya kid who is the only current Sycamore in Major League Baseball. There are several in the minors. He's the only current Major Leaguer. But Matt Jacek has been their Friday pitcher. And for those who don't follow college baseball, your Friday guy's your ace. That, that is your number one pitcher throwing the first game of conference play each and every week. I know they got a complete game, I think, to hit from the number two pitcher uh, on Saturday whose name escapes me. There's a young man named Lane Miller who has become their number three. From IU? Yeah. Correct. He was their graduate assistant. He He was an assistant coach who had a year left of eligibility. Before they played Purdue at the end of March, they decided to to take him out of coaching and put him back and needed to burn an arm. He'd literally been throwing batting practice. Um, he almost goes seven scoreless innings. And then he turns around and pitches five days later and nearly throws a complete game. Uh, if he got the win on Sunday, John, I think he's 6-0 and in seven starts. So they kind of found something of the miraculous in him. Then last Tuesday in 13 innings, they strike out 23 batters. They had a young man named Zach Davidson who had an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes. He struck out eight guys of facing 11 in, in long relief. So they were, as of last Tuesday, they had the second-best fielding percentage in all of Division One. Keegan Watson made sports in the game that I called last week because he robbed a home run off one of the batters of Illinois. So it's been timely hitting, but primarily pitching and defense that has put them over 30 wins and legitimately, John, has them in the conversation. If they can win enough games the last couple of weeks, they might be hosting a regional in Terre Haute come the first weekend in, in June. That's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. Lane Miller was a coaching assistant and throwing BP. Now he's 5-0 and and one of the more important pitchers in the past month for this baseball team. That's amazing. That's true. That's correct. So he was a recruit um, along with Tommy Summer, that's now in the White Sox organization, my buddy Jurgen's son, uh, as well as my buddy Chris Walker's son, Justin, uh, who played at Indiana and transferred to Purdue uh, to finish. But yeah, he is five years removed. Like a lot of these kids are five and six years removed from high school because of the COVID year and things like that. He really, because of injuries, hadn't pitched that much. And because of COVID, the COVID year, had not pitched much the last three years. So he was a, a grad assistant um, who hadn't had a year of eligibility left. They were short of arms because oftentimes you play those midweek non-conference games. They're kind of all staff days. If your starter gets you four or five, you feel great about it. Well, he goes out there and starts throwing dimes. And, and like, the, like the only example I could think about it in Major League Baseball was Jose Rio in 2002. When everybody had kind of given up on Jose ever pitching in a major league baseball, he goes out there with scar tissue and rattles off like five consecutive wins. Um, it, it, it's the the other example I'll give you in college basketball. Greg Tonigal, that now has built this wonderful program at Indiana Wesleyan. Greg kind of did that one year at Valparaiso, where he was he was basically a graduate assistant, but still had eligibility left. Had kind of gotten through injuries, and they trot him out the last month of the year, and he starts knocking down threes to beat IUPUI in a game. So I've seen it a couple of times, John. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, Lane Miller, by the way, from Boonville High School down in Warwick County. And, John, I believe he is still committed. He is going to do the military postgraduate thing. 
So I think that even though he may have a future in baseball that might make him want to change that, his plan, I think, is to go to the Naval Academy uh, after the season is over with. That's incredible. What a great story that is right there. I I had not known that. Has, has anybody written or covered that as a story? That is pretty interesting. You're the folks at Terre Haute have, and I'm not going to lie, I pitched it to a couple of our columnist buddies. I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle sure. of, of, the, uh, of the NFL draft, and now that we're month of May in Indianapolis. But believe me, if they keep winning, that story will get more traction regionally and nationally, too. So Greg Rakestraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So we're seeing some of these, and he had a lot of really good positions basketball head coaching-wise for the fellas open. And we see some of these seats are being filled here recently, don't we? Yeah, basically, locally, all the seats have been taken. So you've got Jeff Teague at Pike, which obviously is a big deal. Uh, I believe it's official that Joe Bradbird's leaving Greenwood to go to Mount Vernon. And again, um, because of how young that team was this year, that's going to be a really good job to have the next couple of years. And that place continues to grow. It's a really good job to have. Bill Zick's retirement lasted about six weeks uh, or maybe two months as, as he is now back at Southport. Mark McFarland took the Perry job. The Franklin Central job is open, but again, it is largely speculative. That's where Mark James is going to go back uh, to finish out his legendary career. Chris Byers is back at Warren Central. So uh, a, a lot of familiar names and faces just kind of uh, you know moving spots. I also want to mention Phil Washington taking the job at Lawrence Central. He was on the staff the last couple of years for Al Gooden. But for the most part, um, most of those seats locally have now been filled up at high school boys' suits. Hey, Greg, you grew up in Harrison County, Lanesville, yeah. southern Indiana. You grew up a fan of Louisville Cardinal sports and especially basketball. And we get the news of the passing of Denny Crum, the former coach, the legendary coach earlier today. What did he mean to you and Cardinal fans? I have a letter somewhere at home from where I had applied to be a ball boy uh, back in the sixth grade at the University of Louisville, but it would have meant me not playing basketball, basically. And so I said, you know what? I need to go do this and and not go be a ball boy. Uh, I wanted to put off my days of being at sporting events but not actually playing uh, as long as possible. But he wrote me a very courteous note. Um, I never had any direct interaction with him. I, I have with other members of his staff. Guys like Scotty Davenport, who's now obviously the head coach of Bellarmine, was on his staff at UofL. Jerry Jones, that was on his staff at UofL. My closest connection to him is Todd Howard, uh, the longtime boys coach for Buff, the former IUPUI head coach. Todd played for Denny in the early 90s at the University of Louisville. And one of the next negative words you'll hear about Denny, which it was not going to happen today, but it'll be his first. Uh, and I made it a point to read Rick Bozich's work uh, on WDRB.com in Louisville because Rick's career in covering Denny, you know, Denny was in Louisville for 51, 52 years. Rick has been there now for the last 40. Uh, and the thing that Rick chose to wrote about today was the fact that Denny stayed. That when Denny first got there in 1972, it was thought, hey, he is simply taking this job as a holding pattern. And because of the success that he has had, whenever John Wooden walks away from UCLA, Denny will be the guy that takes over. Well, he turned that opportunity down so many times because he made Louisville his home for the last quarter century. So, you know, I, I, I can literally think of the John D. Steakhouse commercial, which aired all the time in Louisville, and the tagline was, it's almost as good as beating Memphis State. 
Um, Denny was a legend. And when you, in, in the 80s, when you think of the coaches here in Indianapolis, you think of the commercials with Bob Knight, Digger Phelps, yeah. and Gene Cady. In Louisville, those commercials were Denny Crum and Joe B. Hall. Those were the guys that were the iconic figures, both of them having won national championships. So um, I, I didn't know that Denny was in as failing of health as he was. Other thing, John, that might resonate with you is after Denny's 30-plus year career coaching, Denny did a talk show for many years with Joe B. Hall at Louisville Radio, and it, yeah. and it was very popular and very widely successful. So simply put, Denny Crum was a heck of a basketball coach, but is an even better man, and, and that is a loss of be felt for a long time in the city of Louisville. Yeah, I was thinking, at least in the decade of the 80s, 1980, 1986, what year was the best for Denny Crum and Louisville basketball? You know, their best team, people will tell you, oftentimes the best team doesn't win. A lot of folks felt their best team was 83, uh, and that was a team that ran into five slam a jamma. Uh, that was the last game that Houston team won in the semifinals. Uh, because Louisville was the team that didn't try to slow it down on Houston. So that's the way we play, too. Let's go. And got beat 94-81. You know, the 80 team that won it was a two seed. There was no one seeds that were there in the Final Four that year. The last time Purdue made it, obviously, here in Indianapolis and Market Square. Uh, In 86, Louisville was the one seed. They were thought to be the second-best team behind Duke and beat Duke that night because Purvis Ellison was so good as a freshman. So every year in the 80s was a great year for UofL, with the exception of the 87 team that missed the tournament and turned down an NIT bid. Um, that team, after losing Milt Wagner and Jeff Hall and Billy Thompson, even with Purvis Ellis, it just couldn't replicate what the 86 team was. Every other team in that run um, were nationally ranked and were teams that made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Can you name each team in the old Metro Conference? Well, let's see if I can name um, Virginia Tech, yeah. Memphis State, yeah. Florida State. Yes. Tulane, Um, then you had some turnover. Southern Miss was always a part of it. Right. Kind of late, you would bring in VCU South Florida, um, and and their first kind of Division I burst was was in the Metro. Uh, But uh, that was – the Metro was designed to be a seven- or eight-team league. Yeah. So UofL could go play a great non-conference schedule. That's exactly how that league was was designed. And, of course, people don't know, or maybe in this area, that the Metro kind of dissolved in 93-94 to go to make Conference USA, and that was kind of the start of the Metro. So I had better make sure I include the University of Cincinnati in that group, too. You better. No doubt about that. Greg Rakestraw on the passing of legendary coach Denny Crum earlier today, the head coach for so many years at Louisville. Greg's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Greg, it is always a pleasure, and uh, we'll – do it again coming up next Tuesday. And Mitch Hanna, again, coming up tomorrow, the head coach of Indiana State. So should be an interesting conversation now that you gave me that tidbit. <laughs> Please tell Coach I said hello and go trees. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Greg. You got it. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So Lane Miller was a grad assistant and called onto the team to pitch when they needed arms, and now he's 5-0 and for the Sycamores. That's a hell of a story right there. Uh, Mitch Hanna is the head coach of the baseball Sycamores tomorrow. Sam Monson coming up, a PFF after four. Doug Bowles, the Speedway president at 430. And the uh, headliner 
for Carb Day 2023, May the 26th, ims.com to get your tickets. Now, I'll have some to give away coming up, too, as well in the 5 o'clock hour. Brian Adams will be with us inside the lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wasteoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier. The podcast up, 107.5thefan.com. Dan Orlowski of ESPN yesterday. Um, I guess you could say he kind of agreed with me. I said that I want to see Anthony Richardson out there sooner rather than later, right? And that's what I said. He said, and, and really, I've also phrased it up and framed it up with the, all right, if he is not not near ready, I understand. But then again, I won't. Because you draft him at number four, you hope that he's not that far off the pace. At least I do. Some of you differ in opinion, but Dan Orlovsky on the show Kind of kept that in mind and went with it yesterday. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Speedway President Doug Bowles, bottom of the hour. Brian Adams, who is the Carb Day headliner from Vancouver, British Columbia. Brian Adams will phone coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. I've got tickets to Carb Day and qualifying. I've got tickets to see LL Cool J at Cambridge Fieldhouse coming up as well. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I'm glad he's back here. PFF, he's one of the big hitters with pro football focus and I'm sure has a lot to talk about given the draft, the offseason, and where we're going right now in preparation for the 2023 NFL season and the schedule release, by the way, coming out on the 11th, Sam Monson of PFF is with us. Welcome back to the show here in Indy. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Ah, fantastic. Um, we're wait-and-see process here because we finally saw the Colts decide to go to the direction that many had thought they should have gone a couple of years prior with a rookie quarterback and really starting new at that position. But I did want to get your thoughts on Anthony Richardson and what you believe is going to be both the short term that I mentioned leading in and the long-term future for this quarterback here in Indy. Yeah, I mean, I like Anthony Richardson as a prospect. He's an intriguing player, obviously, because he's such a, a unique proposition. You're talking about literally the most athletic quarterback to ever enter the NFL when you factor in his size, how fast he is, his arm talent, all those kinds of things. Um, But he's got an incredibly small sample size of play at the college level. The play itself, you know, wasn't amazing at the college level. And really it's a case of what we can turn this guy into over the next couple of years, not necessarily what he is right now. And that's where I I love the fit um, to the Colts because They've kind of just run this game plan, or at least Shane Steichen has with uh, Philadelphia. They've they've seen what can happen if you run an offense that leans on the running ability of a quarterback, that leans on the run game generally, and brings that guy along as a passer over a two or three year period. It's a Sam Bonson, a Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, we have mentioned this too that you wanted what was ideal for the first-time head coach in Shane Steichen. 
And I'm curious because he's had success, obviously, with Jalen Hurts, obviously with Justin Herbert. You go all the way back to Phillip Rivers with the Chargers, where he has worked with guys uh, of differences as far as quarterbacks are concerned, but it all kind of led down the path to being highly productive. Do you think at all we're putting too much on what we believe that he can do and do sooner rather than later with a guy that's only played in 13 collegiate games, a quarterback? Yeah, I, it's not going to look the way it looked for, you know, those other guys like Philip Rivers and, and players like that. It's going to need to look like it looked with Jalen Hurts, where it's probably going to be pretty ugly from a passing point of view for the first year. Um, but critically, if you lean on that rushing ability, if you lean on the run game generally, you can prompt that up and it can be viable for the first year and get the guy reps, which is the important part. One of the problems at the moment with drafting quarterbacks uh, low on experience or guys that need playing time is if they're a long way off the pace, there's almost it's very difficult to get them up to speed because you don't get them game time because you can't put them out there because they can't play yet. Um, but the only way of getting them up to speed largely is to get them live reps and get them real game time. The offense that the Eagles ran for Jalen for a couple of years, the offense that the Bears ran last year for Justin Fields. These are systems, these are ways of getting these guys live reps and surviving through a period of struggling as a passer. And that's, I think, what it's going to need to look like for Richardson. He's not going to be a good passer year one, I wouldn't have thought. That would be extremely unlikely. It would be a huge development out of nowhere. But he can execute a viable offense and develop in year one as a passer. And maybe year two or year three is when we start to see where his ceiling actually ends up being. Hey, Sam, I was going to ask you this, too, because a lot of people have said exactly or at least phrased it in similar fashion as you just did as far as his passing capabilities in year one. And then it's always, well, here's what he can do offensively with his legs that others can't. And while I would agree that's part of the expectation or part of the package, don't you have to be a little bit careful with somebody with that level of inexperience running around and taking hit after hit, even though, you know, he's 6'4 and 244 and put together like crazy? I mean, you have to err on the side of caution with that, probably more so, don't you, than what you expect out of him passing-wise? Well, I think it needs to be in a structure. You know, it needs to be a designed part of your offense, and it needs to come with some caveats. You know, he has to understand that sometimes he needs to protect himself. But I do think that there's um, less of a concern with that for a guy that is that kind of size and, and that gifted. I mean, we've seen Josh Allen throw himself around recklessly for the first few years of his career, and now Josh Allen is talking about, you know, he's going to need to change the way he plays now, not necessarily for those first couple of years where he was young, you know, durable. He could throw himself around. He was big. But he knows that if he wants to play in the NFL for 10, 15 years, he's going to need to adjust that play style and, and avoid taking some hits. So I think for the first couple of years, Richardson is going to need to learn, lean into that and to take advantage of the gifts while he has them. But then over the course of his career, he's going to have to reinvent himself. And that isn't unique to him. That's something that every quarterback has to do. Um, Tom Brady, you know, reinvented himself three or four times over the course of his career. Obviously, it was never from a running quarterback to a, a pocket passer, but he had to change the way he played the game 
several times over because the NFL adjusts to you. And, you know, that's just part, I think, of being an NFL quarterback now. Yeah, it's funny, too. And Sam Hansen of Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I brought this up well before Andrew Luck decided to hang it up. There was a point in time, Sam, here where it was his signature. It was called extending the play, and everybody loved it, and he did it constantly. But it also came at the expense of him taking hit after hit, and there became a moment where all of a sudden it wasn't good any longer. His signature wasn't utilized any longer. We saw what happened at the end of his career. So around here, I think everybody pretty much has been used to the fact that at some point there is a shelf life on the amount of running around and hits you can take. Where do you think we are with that right now? You mentioned Josh Allen. You know, we've seen Russell Wilson go through this now as well. We'll watch Jalen Hurts go through it in Philadelphia. What do you think the shelf life of a mobile quarterback where that is a a really big part of his game and he takes all those hits? How many years do you give it now compared to what we might have back in the day? I think it just depends how lucky that guy gets you know the the problem with running around and exposing yourself to hits is you run the risk of injury in any given hit and you know sometimes you're going to come away completely unscathed and there's no problem whatsoever and then you get one unlucky hit and that's going to be something that stays with you for a period of time whether it's next year whether it's the rest of your career so i think it's really just luck but the problem being the more of those hits you expose yourself to the more that chance increases that you're going to do some long-term or lasting damage. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just something that in the moment, man, it can look so good, Sam. It can, but it has a lasting effect, and it seemingly always does. When you look at the AFC South, already established and running, and not literally but figuratively here in Jacksonville, is Trevor Lawrence. But you're looking at the future, C.J. Stroud in Houston, more than likely here relatively soon. Uh, you're going to get Will Levis in Tennessee, and obviously here with Anthony Richardson. If you're going to fare a guess in the AFC AFC South, uh, years further down the road, who is going to be the better quarterback of the four that I previously mentioned? I mean, I think right now Trevor Lawrence is the the clear sort of front runner of that group. He, I think, broke out last season after getting freed from the the Urban Meyer nightmare that was in Jacksonville, and he looks like he's ready to elevate his game and be on you know the top tier echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. The other guys, that's what they're chasing. You know, that that's a guy that's sort of a little bit ahead that's further along the pathway that they're going to need to be on. And it's up to those other three to try and, you know, join him on that kind of uh, path. Yeah, I just it, it, I think this is going to be really entertaining. And believe me, we've been without a lot of entertainment in that capacity within the AFC South for a while. So this is going to be really entertaining to see where the youthfulness of these quarterbacks, these four and these teams end up going sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's it's in one division what we've just sort of just seen um, happen in the AFC generally or even in the NFL with this changing of the guard and this development of the next wave of quarterbacks, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, all these guys coming in within a couple of years of each other. 
and to developing at the same time. Well, the, the AFC South is a division of that happening right now. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, one of the more interesting divisions to watch because of that. That's uh, no doubt about that. Sam Monson of PFFs on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, we'll, we'll get off the draft here and kind of move forward a little bit after this question. What, what did you like the most? What team? I mean, was it a team like Houston that really put a lot on the line? Got C.J. Stroud, got Will Anderson. What team did you like the most during work in the draft here moving forward? I think there were a lot of teams that drafted really well. Really, the theme with this draft seemed to be how many teams you know, did well. I don't know if, if the NFL generally is getting better at drafting or you know, if there were fewer teams that kind of do just complete outlier things and go completely against the grain of, of what people expect. But this felt like a draft where a lot of teams came out of it with good grades or, or sort of good performances. They had a coherent strategy from top to bottom. So I think you could you know, pick any one of half a dozen teams who had really good drafts. The Colts were definitely one of them. Pittsburgh's draft, I think, was fantastic in a very different way, sort of halting the slide of a, a few uh, players over the course of the draft and getting what looks like really good value because of it. But uh, the theme of this draft was, you know, in not a tremendously strong draft in terms of overall talent level, teams seemed to maximize what was there. Yeah, I, it's funny. I said this, Sam Arad, here, as far as the Colts draft was concerned. I think the only thing that if I really looked at it where you could be critical about it is they went out and got exactly what you felt they should go out and get in that draft. But the consistent trading down, I mean, the value that they put in multi-above-multi-fifth-rounders, that might be the only way to look at it where you could be critical because really the way you look at it across the board, Chris Ballard and the Colts did exactly what they needed to do at the positions they needed to fill. Yeah, and I think the trading down thing in itself isn't bad business strategy. In fact, I think it's a good way of playing the draft, that particularly when you're shooting at – uh, you know, athletic uh, talents, guys that are incredibly uh, talented physically, the more lottery tickets you buy, the better your chances are of hitting. Like the, the more of these opportunities the Colts give themselves, the better the chance are that a few of these guys are going to stick. What do you think Calvin Ridley's going to look like in Jacksonville coming off that missed season? I think he'll look good. I mean, Calvin Ridley's one of the better route runners in the NFL. He's in his prime in terms of age. I don't imagine a year off is going to have done him much harm. I think he'll hit the ground running and be a a really good addition to that offense. Now, we talked about this last year, too, Sam. You saw what Jacksonville did. Jacksonville went out and paid a lot of money. This was the year before last in the free agency window to Christian Kirk, and a lot of people looked down on that. And then you look at the season that they had, and then people kind of open their eyes a little bit to, all right, you got to give your quarterback as many weapons as possible. I'm not suggesting that, that teams in the future are going to do exactly what they did the year before last, but did that open eyes to other teams on exactly how much you need at the skill positions to get over, even if you do have a top-shelf quarterback? I mean, I think that's the way the league has been trending for a while now in, in several different instances. We've seen teams that have had one elite receiver and it hasn't been enough. We've seen the more resources you put into a receiving core or weaponry for a quarterback, the better things tend to get. So I think we're in this world now, particularly in the AFC, where it feels like an arms race every offseason for teams trying to contend that it's not going away. We're going to see these teams keep loading up and keep assembling a bigger and bigger 
array of talent for their quarterbacks. And what's funny about that is around here, we just haven't been used to it. Now, we've been shaking our fists, Sam, about it and saying, hey, you know, get on board. And it's been kind of kicking and screaming at times, it seems, with Chris Ballard. But I think finally that recognition is certainly there. The one thing I wanted to bring up was the Colts offensive line of a year ago was, was bad. And they have made no changes. Uh, they're going to bring back Bernard Ryman, who's going to be in year number two on the left side at left tackle. We'll find out what they do at right guard. But for the most part, it's the same. You get Quentin Nelson, you get Ryan Kelly, you get Braden Smith. Is there reason to believe with the mobility and the athleticism of once he's out there and Anthony Richardson that that will make this offensive line better just with that? Or do they have bigger issues in your estimation? Yeah, I think tapping into that kind of um, Jalen Hurts type of offense, for want of a better description, will make the offensive line's job easier. It'll, it'll make life better for them. Simply having a quarterback that is going to be used as part of the run game will stress the defense and uh, help them execute blocks. I mean, part of the problem last year is they were blocking for a guy in Matt Ryan for the majority of the time who – I mean, couldn't move anymore. It was really a statue back there, and that stressed everything out with that offensive line. So I think generally the line would be better moving on to any quarterback other than Matt Ryan, just any guy that can maximize that pocket a little bit, that can move around, that can buy them in a little bit of uh, wiggle room, and then it'll, it'll probably get better again in going to the sort of extreme version of the offense that they're likely to be running this year. And I also think there's the chance that they should be better next year anyway, simply from the talent that they had. That's not a bad group. They went into last season expecting to be good on the offensive line, and the whole thing kind of fell apart. Who do you think's had the best offseason to this point? Uh, I think there's a, a number of teams that have had good offseasons. Um, you know, the 49ers, I think, have continued to have a, a good offseason, other than the fact that Brock Purdy is a, a bit of a question mark with that injury. Uh, coming out of the NFC Championship game, I think the Eagles did a really good job given the potential that they had to lose players and to um, miss significant parts of that team from a year ago. I think they've done a good job backfilling and patching it back together again. And then I think the teams that have found answers at quarterback have almost universally done a pretty good job. There's very few teams that have a glaring question mark at the most important position. Yeah, you um, take a a legitimate interest in the schedule coming out here later on this week. Is that something you guys look at? Not as much as as other people, certainly. It's you know it's interesting to let you piece it all together and to sort of get a few insights. But generally speaking, given that we know who's being uh, who's playing who already the, the exact details of when it's happening on which day is not massively important i think at this point there's some of the uh the numbers some of the things you look at this time of year at pff that maybe some some nfl fans in general would be interested in knowing about right now sam yeah i mean we've we've reached the the point of the offseason where team building is kind of done obviously there's sort of free agents still around and, and guys could be signed to uh, patched last minute holes and uh, all those kinds of things. But now is the off season project time. It's just sort of deep diving into numbers that you think might be interesting or taking a look at something that you haven't been able to get around to during the season and all those kinds of things. So really anything is, is open for 
analysis and discussion at this point. Yeah. So if you were a uh, a betting person right now, how many do you think the Colts put on the board this year? And consider a year ago it was a circus, four twelve and one overall. What do you think Colts fans are looking at Sam going into twenty twenty three with a rookie quarterback and Alexis Gardner Minshew and some some good players at some interesting positions, but certainly as it looks like not enough. Yeah, I think they probably win a couple more games than a year ago. Really, next season, though, is all about laying foundations. You know, it's about getting an idea of what this thing is going to be able to look like with Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, and building the team around him that can contend in a year's time. Um, But going to that kind of offense, you know, if he is able to execute it, if he is as as impressive as an athletic talent as he looks, and and that translates to the NFL – that's not easy for any team in the NFL to defend. I mean, those are that's going to give them a pretty high floor and make them difficult to beat every week. Hey, Sam, does Shane Steichen translate to the positive as a head coach, much like we, we saw him do as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, that's always you know the, the first thing we get to find out when these guys take over that head job. A head coach is not necessarily just an extension of being an offense or a defensive coordinator. It's seven more jobs rolled on top of that, whether it's man motivating, whether it's, you know, running the organization, all those extra things that we don't necessarily see an absolute ton of. So there's no way of knowing really. He's obviously a good candidate in terms of what he's done already from his career, but now it's a different gig. So Sam Monson, the PFF, you can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Still a lot of information from PFF over the course of the offseason. And we'll catch back up with you as we get closer to the season, because as you know, it's going to be here sooner rather than later. But uh, it's great to have you back on here in Indianapolis, Sam. Thank you very much. No problem. Take it easy, guys. It's uh, Sam Monson. Pro football focus. I think it was two, three years ago he was on every week. And most recently it's been Ben Brown. Now you tried to get a hold of, right, James, Ben Brown, and you didn't get a response. Is Ben Brown still working for PFF? I think so, but yeah, I didn't get a response. Send him a nasty tweet. Say, hey, we just had Sam Monson on because you don't return a call or an email or a text. Actually, all those guys are very good. When they come on. I mean, very good. What do you say? A couple more games? Some Seaberg. Hey, JMV, you were talking about Mike Greenberg's comments, and he kind of did reference Jalen Rose talking about the humidity of South Florida. Seaberg says, I love me some Jalen Rose, but that dude constantly has some of the stupidest comments and takes flowing out of his yapper. See, part of the issue is, again, as I mentioned, that it's these dudes are all trying to outdo one another, out yell one another, out hot take one another. And there's a ceiling to this stuff. And what I mean by a ceiling, there's a ceiling. And then if you go any further, you go into the land of complete stupidity. See, oftentimes, when actually probably more than often when you hear this is a hot take what it means is that is sports radio talk code for i'm about to say something really stupid it's been that way forever but it's disguised as a hot take well you know that's just not that's not stupid you know this is a hot take now it's still stupid 
And, and believe me, I've done it before too. I try not to. I tell myself every day not to because I just don't feel I have to do that. I don't want to get in that rat race because that's what happens. You keep pushing. Somebody else says something. That person says something. You feel the need to do it. And then these these hot takes become normalcy. And then you got to raise the bar on that. And then you really do go into the land of stupid. So that's really Seberg, the issue across the board with it all. I'm sure I could probably come up with some really dumb stuff that I've said even beyond drafting luck and keeping Manning and Quentin Nelson left guard to left tackle. Now, some of you thought the Miles Turner stuff was stupid, and then you guys all had to eat it, which makes me feel very happy. I love it. I love everybody that listened that had to eat that big you-know-what burger because my Miles Turner take was accurate, and you guys all sucked and was wrong. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be a constant forever. And believe me, it doesn't matter what happens now, right? I've won. Extended, I've won. So you thought that was stupid, and it didn't turn out to be stupid. It turned out to be smart. By the way, did you guys hear Sam Monson? Who did he reference? Who did he reference when he said, hey, now he's realized he's had to change his game because he takes too many needless hits. I brought that up regarding Josh Allen for how long now? My man calls his own number way too much. Is he talented? Yes. Is he talented enough to do it? Yep. Does he call his own number too much? You could just see it. You could see it late in games when it really was unnecessary. And again, there is a point in time where you take all these hits and what was your signature positive transforms into a complete and utter detriment to you and your team. And all these guys moving around and running around, they all hit that point. It's just a matter of when. A quick break, and we'll come back. Brian Adams is your Carb Day headliner. 5 o'clock hour, Brian Adams will be calling from Vancouver, British Columbia. Tickets available. IMS.com, by the way, too. And we'll be giving away a pair of tickets in the 5 o'clock hour to Carb Day and to qualifying. On the other side, Speedway President Doug Bowles with a couple of updates. We'll do that coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. David Perner, a couple of weeks ago of Soul Asylum, joined the show. And in the 5 o'clock hour, Brian Adams will be here. That is... Your Carb Day 2023 Entertainment coming up May the 26th. We'll give away a pair of tickets in the 5 o'clock hour following the conversation with Brian Adams. And you can get tickets if you don't have them right now, and you better, because I've given you the JMV guarantee. The JMV guarantee Carb Day is going to be incredible. Telling you, you're going to walk away from Brian Adams going, wow, I promise you that. It's a JMV guarantee. IMS.com for your tickets for Carb Day. Greg Rakestraw, Sam Monson, 
a little bit earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, here's a friend of the show, Speedway President Doug Bowles, joining us. Are you staying busy? I am staying busy, but I'm going to find a little place here at the Speedway to hide and listen to your Brian Adams conversation. I've never met him or talked to him. Uh, but as you know, I'm a Brian Adams fan. I cannot wait uh, to hear what he has to say. Can't wait for him to be here in uh, 17 days. No, it's going to be great. I've promised everybody that, too, because sometimes you know how it is. I mean, you've done this, putting together these shows, and, you know, you'll get people that are excited about it. You'll get people that go, oh, you know, get a little bit younger. That's too old or whatever. He hits the right note in terms of a catalog that most know a lot of what he is about ready to and will be singing. And and really, it, it hits the perfect note, I think, at Carb Day because it is it does kind of turn into a sing-along, and that's exactly what it will coming up on the 26th. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And, and, you know, I've been surprised over the last few weeks since uh, – since we announced it, you know, walking through the hardware store or the grocery store, somebody will tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I can't wait for Carb Day. Uh, so that's, that's been been gratifying because I know when we make these announcements, oftentimes, like you said, people are like, oh, that's too old. Who's that? Come yeah. on, get somebody different. And um, this is uh, this is why I'm kind of excited about it. And I'm actually I've been really uh, surprised at the, at the relatively positive – uh, you know, put people going out of their way to tell me how excited they are about Brian Adams. So that's fantastic. I'm curious about this. When was the last time that it was as overwhelming in positives as it has been so far for Brian Adams and Soul Asylum? Because I'm assuming you probably don't have that very often. Because if there's one thing, there's always there's a couple of things always in May that there's an axe to grind about, and that would be one of them. Yeah, that, that, that's one of them. I mean, we do know when we make the announcement that it's going to be a challenge. We're going to make some people happy and some people aren't. And some people are going to be frustrated and say, well, why didn't you do X, Y, Z? Honestly, I think the last time where I felt like there was a, a much more positive sentiment and people going out of their way to say it was Journey in 2016. Uh, I think I think Journey was the perfect uh, the perfect um, act for, yeah. for that, that event. And the, the crowd certainly showed it. And you know, we've had a lot of a lot of different ones since then. My favorite it was Sammy Hagar, and yeah. I know if I brought Sammy Hagar back, I'd probably get the same pushback. But um, pretty excited about Brian Adams. I think people will have fun. I think it'll be a great way to kick off the weekend, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, taking off my president hat and opening up a Miller Lite and hanging out in the crowd, listening to some Brian Adams that afternoon. Does uh, Sammy want to come back? You think? Yeah. You know, I think he probably would. I bet he back. would too. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a guy in town named Andy Wilson who stays yep. in in contact with him quite a bit, and and he even said when he when he left here, he said, "Man, anytime you want me to come back, I'd love to come back." He's getting to the point, I think, where a lot of his touring is pretty much over. Um, so, you know, if we were going to do that, we'd have to get pretty far ahead of it. But he he was a great show, and our, our crowd loved it. You know, the other part about it is too, most of these these performers end up staying. Right, end up staying for the entire weekend. Is that what you're thinking? Because Perner told me a couple of weeks ago that he was staying for the weekend because I invited him down to the pre-race show because I thought really Tony Katz in the morning probably would really want to talk to Dave Perner. So I said, yeah, join us so you can do an interview with Tony Katz um, and, and me. But um, I would expect that Brian Adams probably stays as well for the excitement and the time alone. Yeah. And probably the two-seater ride, right? A lot of it depends on what their the tour schedule is. But, yeah, a lot of times people – when they realize this is where they're coming, they're like, okay, I'm staying for the race, or at least for the beginning of it to, to 
kind of get through the pomp and circumstance. I haven't heard whether or not uh, whether or not Brian's going to stay, but we obviously, if if they want a two seater ride or want to see the yard of bricks or be part of the parade, I mean, there's a whole bunch of opportunities we can give them and and make them enjoy their time or help them to enjoy their time here in Indianapolis. Yeah, Doug, to Doug Bowles, Speedway President, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, I mentioned there's always a a, a couple of of situations where there's a, an axe to grind. There's you know there's an angle. There's I, a lot of criticism, and one is obviously bringing back the whole blackout thing. And as I mentioned, yep. I love radio. I'm going to be on the radio on race day. Um, this is what I do, so everybody knows that, and you know where I want everybody to go, and uh, hopefully that everybody goes there. I, I do want to gather with that announcement yesterday, w- what has been uh, the, the voices that you have heard? Uh, what's been the feedback you've received so far with that? Well, I mean, when this happens every year, I mean, we get the we get the feedback from from folks who don't understand the blackout, and and a lot, in a lot of ways, I get it. I mean, we do live in a world where, you know, blackouts are not like they used to be. It used to be, you think about an NFL, um, if it wasn't a sold out game in your market, uh, it was either blacked out or some corporate citizen that step in and buy a bunch of tickets to make it to make it a, a sold out game so that it could be broadcast in the local market, and then. The NFL TV rights got to be such that, I mean, an NFL team's getting $300-plus million a year in just TV rights. So for them, I mean, the tickets are important still, but not the same. I mean, the biggest challenge for us, what makes our event what it is, is it's the world's largest single-day sporting event. And if the attendance in this event were to decline, that would be the beginning of it not being that, and that takes away some of the specialness. The most important part of our race isn't the 33 drivers. It's not the pre-race. It's the 300,000-plus people that sit in the grandstands. That is the most important part of this race, and it is why it is what it is. And we can debate, and there are people that can make a really solid debate that being live in this market could help increase attendance, get somebody that maybe never been before to watch and go, wow, I want to go there. I mean, you can make a solid argument and I could, you know, you could, you could convince me. You can also make a pretty solid argument that says if it's live in this market, people start saying, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. And then that attendance starts to decline. We're not trying to sell 60,000 tickets like a normal football stadium. We're trying to sell 235,000 tickets uh, in our venue. And that, that revenue um, is important, but what's more important is having those bodies in there so that so that when people show up and see it on TV, they know that it is the spectacle that it is. And we've done, I think, the right thing in 2016. We made it. We lifted the blackout in this market. Actually, we we call it a delay, right? Because you can see it in this market. You just don't see it live. You get to see it that evening. Um, so we, we we lifted it in 2016. In 2020, when we couldn't have fans, there's obviously you're going to make sure fans got to have a chance to see it. So in 2021. We had 135,000 people in the venue, and no, no problem. We got to make sure that it's that people that would normally be here get a chance to see it. So it's a conversation we go through all the time. But the most important piece of this event are those those folks, those 300,000 plus people that gather here every day, every every uh, Memorial Day Sunday, and and right now, just not comfortable that the TV piece. Uh, without it, um, or with it being uh, not delayed here in this market, uh, doesn't have a severe impact on that. I mean, look at sports across the board. Look at our Brickyard 400. The Brickyard 400 was um, blacked out for a period of time, and then when it wasn't, uh, it declined. Now people are going to say, well, the NASCAR racing one is good. And what I, I hear that. And, and all these things, there's, there's never just one answer to them. Um, but right now, uh, our policy has been and will continue to be, if we can sell out the grandstands, um, I'm happy to say let's let's turn it on in this market. 
It's uh, Speedway President Doug Bowles on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And again, we'll get underway at 6 a.m. coming up on race day as well for you. And uh, me, Tony Katz, and a host of thousands will have it for you on the radio beginning at 6 a.m. And I get to sleep in the infield coming up off uh, after a JMV takeover, which is really good, too. I, listen, there is nothing more calming and soothing than sitting in my truck listening to music at three in the morning in the infield when there's really nothing going on yet leading up to race day morning that's awesome well just don't tell me where your truck is because you won't be sleeping because my my race day starts on saturday morning and i'm up all night and if, I know, <laughs> if i know where your truck is i'm gonna come get you and put you on the golf cart and we're gonna go hang out at the, well uh, with the campers and talk to our fans and uh, there are a lot of people who stay up all night and love it. actually we're getting the snake pit stage set up and one of my favorite things to do is I'll sort of sneak out the gate at 9A or at 9, which is right behind turn four, and wander out and in the dark when nobody knows who I am, no tie on, and just take it all in because it's spectacular to see how much fun people are having. Or walk through the neighborhood and, you know, people got their garage doors up and there are people that are parking in their yard and just walk in and just sort of yep. smile and say, hey, can I, can I borrow a Cougar's light? I, I could use a beer about now. And then you turn in these great conversations about why people come to the Indy 500 every year. So, if you don't want to be kept awake all night, don't tell me where your truck is. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm, um, that's why I got, I got to get one of those uh, those service stickers. They let me in at like 2 in the morning because I'm going in there to do a service. Actually, I'm going in there to fall asleep for like two hours in the truck, <laughs> which is awesome. My, my, prob- my problem with it is I could probably sleep um, on yeah. the night before the race, but it would be just like you said. It would be a two, maybe a three-hour nap, and I think I'd feel worse waking up no you would you're right about that you just gotta you just gotta plow through it you know yeah you're you're right i just um i go from six what i do on the night before for the jmv takeover on b105.7 is i go from six and i leave it up to people i said if you guys keep calling with requests i'll go as long as you want and then last year, I think I ended up bailing at about one forty-five or two in the morning, because I could kind of, I could kind of tell that things were slowing down. So was I, and I bailed about then and just uh, hopped in the truck and and drove over there. Got right in with the uh, yep. S sticker right there, the service sticker, and um, and uh, slept for a little bit. Then went over and and had a great pre-race show. So that that's kind of becoming my tradition right now, and I dig it. Uh, it is it is kind of fun how we all have those little night yeah. before traditions where we park, what we do when we go in, and yours sounds like a fun one. Hey. I, I, and I won't. I'll let you sleep. You need your sleep. <laughs> no, sleep. you can come on over too. I, I can I can sleep and drink and drink and sleep all that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Doug Bowles joins us. Shaquille O'Neal is going to be a part of the the Snake Pit. Uh, how much of the weekend? How much of the race is he staying for the entirety of the thing? Do you know? So what? So where we are with him, and we we've actually asked him to help participate in part of part of pre-race. Um, last year, you know, we had Steve Aoki kind of helping intro the drivers. We'd love for Shaq to do that. Right. The challenge with him is he just doesn't know what the NBA schedule is going to look like and where he's going to be committed to. He knows he can do. The nice thing about the snake pit is it starts early enough. He goes on at 9 a.m. He knows he can do that and still make whatever commitment he might have to do related to basketball uh, later that afternoon. So we're just really kind of waiting to see what all what all he's got on his schedule, and then you know hopefully we can get a way to get a way to keep him around longer. I always ask you this this time of year. I don't know how confident, how comfortable you are with it. Anybody else that uh, we're unaware of, you might have coming in for the weekend. Yeah, we we should have some pretty cool announcements coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, you can't make them right here, is what you're saying? I wish I could make them right oh. now. I'm, in fact, I was talking to the team. I'm like, hey, we got to start making these announcements and. Uh, 
uh, the PR experts, uh, w- of which I am not, um, <laughs> want to wait a little bit longer as we get a little bit closer to the 500. Our focus really this weekend is let's just get through the GMR Grand Prix, stay focused on that, and then once uh, Saturday's checkered flag falls, we'll really start focusing on what's coming up for May, but uh, for the 500. Any any but hints? Really you gave me hints last year, and I I kind of I was pretty close last year. You got any hints? Uh, not any hints that I could give you that wouldn't just give stuff away. I have to think about that. Maybe next time we talk, I'll come up with a better some. Who did you Who did you have there last year? And I was pretty close at guessing it. Who was there last I, year? Do you remember? Uh, uh, Top Gun. Um, yeah, yeah. Help me out. Um, uh, Brian. I, Brian I, I guess Brian. What's his name? And it wasn't. It was somebody. Yeah. That, it, yeah. yeah it was the it, it was the other guy in. Top oh Gun, yeah, think. it was uh, my Miles. Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Miles Teller was the actor. Thank yeah. you. I, I can't believe I'm blanking on that. But that's yeah, that's, right. that that so that one we did talk about that, and you, you were close on on that one. That's close, really close. Yeah. Doug Bowles with us. All right, so you, you heard this during the F1 race pre-race show with LL Cool J. <laughs> Clearly, he had no idea. He has no idea the ramifications of making such a statement. Um, did we get a cease and desist letter sent to F1? Here, what what do we do about that? Well, actually, if this started long before, long before this past weekend, it, it and it really sort of started. We started noticing it mostly at Vegas as they were starting to announce the new Vegas race, and they were trying to uh, call it the greatest spectacle in motorsport or the greatest motorsport spectacle or something like that. That was just pretty darn close to our to our IP rights, and uh, we actually felt like the best thing to do was to reach out more in a friendly capacity, not have a, law, a letter from a lawyer, but uh, a phone call and then a letter that said, hey, this is clearly our mark. This is um, our goodwill that we've created over uh, over a century. We're, we're excited that you're racing in this country. We're excited that you're in Vegas, but you ought to build your own equity and not steal ours. Um, and uh, they agreed that that was, that was fair and that they wouldn't use anything in, in terms of those marks. So I don't know yet. Um, we're still still trying to figure out this past weekend because because Liberty and F1 really hadn't used it. It just was in that comment that LL Cool J made, yeah. and, and so uh, he, he didn't. You don't think he did that on his own, though, right? Well, uh, clearly, m- most celebrities when they show up somewhere and have talking points, they haven't probably created them on their own. Somebody's created it for them. So the right. question is, did, did the racetrack or, or the race event promoters or somebody do it, or did his staffer who said, hey, we have 30 seconds to make some comments, and they did a bunch of research and then just gave them comments and, without really understanding it. So that's what we're trying to dig into. I mean, that that would be an, an easy mistake to uh, to make. Um, but clearly it's our marks, and, and uh, we're, uh, we're going to defend them. And for those folks that don't really follow IP rights – I mean, in order to defend your IP rights, you you have to vigorously defend them all the time. So that's why a lot of times you see the, you know, the poor bar owner who has a uh, an NFL game and he's uh, promoting it for charity, and then they get shut down. It's right. not because the NFL doesn't want to help with charities, or it's not the fact that the NFL is not excited that somebody's hosting the party. It's the fact that in order to protect your marks, you you can't play favoritism with them. You know, you could license somebody to do it. You could do even do a year a zero fee license. But you can't just let somebody use it without it, and so you have to protect it. So that's why, you know, we'll we'll do everything we can to protect our marks. You think they did that on purpose? You know, look, I, I want to. I'm, I'm a Hoosier. I'm. A, I just. I, I really want to believe everybody's doing the right thing and not trying to trying to um, take advantage of somebody. Clearly, 
I think they were trying to in Vegas, and when they said they'd stop, I believe that they'll stop. And I, I, w- I want to hope and I want to believe that this was just some somebody that just made a mistake and wasn't really uh, done on purpose. So we'll, we're still trying to look into it, and we'll we'll figure that out. Well, you, you take the high road brilliantly. Well done. Well, I mean, you you, you know, one one thing we don't have a lot of in this <laughs> in this world anymore is is grace and perspective, right? You're I mean, right about that. Yes, you're out, right. You have to step out from what you're looking at. And you have to go, okay, I see 10 percent of the of the issues. So I'm going to stand back so that I can get a bigger perspective. And then, look, we all make mistakes. We all do things wrong. We, we all make decisions that some people don't understand why we make them. I and you just you just got to. If you lead your life with a little bit of grace and perspective, um, the world's a better place. There's a picture of you next to grace and perspective, and you're wearing that suit, a suit. How many suits do you have? <laughs> Way too many. It's funny. You're the second person to ask me that today. Really? Who was um, the first? Yeah, was was I, this I, person we cool? Were, we were un- not as cool as you are. I mean, but that's not you know. That's, yeah. um, we were unveiling the the pace car um, earlier today, and and a longtime journalist yeah. um, friend, good good guy, car guy. He, he said, "Hey, I was having dinner with somebody. And we were wondering how how many suits do you have, and how did you get roped into having to wear a suit all the time?" I said, "Really." The only commitment I made is I would wear a tie every day um, because it makes me think about I, I'm, I put the tie on in the morning and I think I'm not representing me. I'm representing the state of Indiana, the city of Indianapolis. Right now, I represent Roger Pinsky. I mean, I represent all of us because I've been given this platform of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy 500. So that tie reminds me right, that everything you're doing uh, has an impact um, well beyond where you are. And at some point in time, it morphed into a tie with a blue suit. So if you look back in my early days as president, there's a lot of there's a, there's some grays and there's some charcoal blacks and you know that kind of thing. Right. And somehow it's probably 25 blue suits, honestly. Well done. All right, my friend, I appreciate you coming on and explaining all of this, and uh, we'll do it again. And enjoy the Grand Prix coming up on Saturday, and we we'll do it again a couple more times before the greatest spectacle in racing comes well, up pass okay along, pass along a hello to brian Adams. i will tell him that I'll, I'll be the crazy guy in the tie who can't wait to say hello to him uh when i get a chance to meet him and thank him for being part of carb day it is it is party day here uh it is party day here in central indiana and and i'm going to be uh drinking some miller light singing along and having a great time with the fans doug thank you very much i'll do just that i appreciate you all right. That's Doug Bowl, Speedway president on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Brian Adams is the headliner. Brian's after five. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's uh, Speedway President Doug Bowles a little bit earlier. Uh, Sam Monson was back from PFF and good as well. I think that it was the first time in a couple of years that Sam has been a part of the show. And uh, we got him on from Pro Football Focus along with Greg Rakestraw, that podcast, 1075thefan.com. The Lane Miller story at Indiana State, the pitcher who is 5-0 and and who was the um, uh, grad assistant. He was, like, coaching up and throwing BP, and they needed some arms, and they thrust him into it, and he is, he's 5-0 and now. What a great story that is. Mitch Hannes is the head coach of the Baseball Sycamores, and Mitch is going to join us coming up on tomorrow's show. So Indiana State fans out there, 
friends like me that love the Sycamores, love you some Terre Haute. Mitch Han is their baseball coach on the show tomorrow. So we cannot wait for that. But it is a hell of a story. There's no doubt about that. Hell of a story. From Casey Simpson. Casey, this is what I was trying to say regarding hot takes. Hot takes, that just equates to stupidity. It's stupidity in disguise. I think you're getting away with something. Hey, this is my hot take. No, actually, what you should say is, well, this is going to sound really stupid because it is, and I'm going to disguise it with calling it a hot take. He says, I miss the days when a hot take was just called a bad opinion or stupidity. Right. John Buzzard says, I think the official definition of the hot take in the JMV dictionary is, quote, dumbassery with a hint of numbnuttery. Correct. That's exactly what it is. You just now have gotten away with it because you present it in the form or the description of a hot take. And when you do that every day, I mean, part of the reason is you raise the bar of stupidity so high, there's nowhere else to go but deeper into stupidity. And then you also forget because you're so outlandish and may not even you know, agree with the opinion you're giving here. You're just doing it in the form of the hot take. You kind of lose sight of what you said. And then that makes you a huge hypocrite. It's incredible. It is. Yeah, the Greenberg stuff this morning that you guys sent me regarding the the heat and the humidity of South Florida in Miami being the reason why the Knicks were getting outraced to the basketball, out-rebounded. Why the Heat just played harder is one of the more ridiculous takes of basketball you've heard in a while. It's just stupid. It's like, yeah, they're not playing outside or anything. Uh, let's just face it. The Knicks looked last night, especially in the second half, like they were a step and a half slow. They did. They got to everything late. That just wasn't on the defensive glass end either. It was on both ends. They were a step and a half slow. And then to suggest that the Lakers should sit uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James in that game, uh, that closeout opportunity in San Francisco coming up is just absolutely incredible. Anybody think that Golden State's going to go down that easily, that simply? Think they're just going to fade like that at home? Ah, that's pretty funny. Three-one uh, right now, they are up in that best of seven Western Conference semifinals. I still have enjoyed it across the board. Uh, maybe more interesting because of what's going on more even, I guess. Right with what's going on in the East with Boston and Philly, uh, what's going on in the West with Denver and Phoenix. But it has uh, been enjoyable as hell so far. To me, it has. And then it comes along with, thank you very much, John Buzzard, a, a little bit of numbnuttery. Uh, Ray Straw, Monson Bowls, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, 
Very excited about doing this and having this conversation. Longtime fan, and he will headline what is going to be a fantastic Carb Day, May the 26th. Out at IMS, IMS.com to get your tickets for that Carb Day extravaganza today, along with Soul Asylum. Brian Adams is going to be the headliner. And Brian, kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now. Hey, Brian, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm good. Fantastic. So I'm curious about Carb Day. When did you think and what did you think about all right, Carb Day, Indianapolis weekend of the Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing, when this possibility was brought to your attention? I thought it was cool. And uh, the only thing I wasn't quite sure about was what Carb Day meant. <laughs> I thought maybe I had to go and bulk up on pasta before I left. But um, it turns out that it's an abbreviation for carburetor, so now I understand. Yeah. Now, how much did you know prior to about the Indianapolis 500, Brian? Well, I mean, it's 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 famous, isn't it? I mean, it's a race that's been going on for years. And, um, I mean, it's I don't know how famous it is in Canada, where, I'm, where I am right now, <clears throat> but... You know, of course, we've heard of it. Everyone's heard of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. But James Hinchcliffe is is one of the more uh, familiar Canadians who has raced in there and had a great deal of success in IndyCar, and certainly the Indy 500 of the past is uh, is uh, notable in Canada as well. But yeah, it's uh, global. It is fantastic, and Carb Day has always been just such a great party, and they bring in bands. But for you being on tour right now, did it fit like a glove having this stop in Indianapolis, as it turned out? I mean, we sort of grab the gigs when we get them, you know, and the the big tour starts in the USA on uh, a few, like a week or so after that in in America. So th- then we have a two, we have a two month tour, which brings us through June, you know, June and July. Um, so you're, this is kind of the kickoff. Now, I'm assuming and Brian Adams joins us on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. Are they going to have you in a car because they have these two seaters where somebody like Mario Andretti or, you know, a former winner will take you around the track are there any plans uh, on you it, doing that there hasn't been any talk of it but i mean that'd be awesome no no I, I guarantee you this i guarantee our friends out at ims will have you in the two-seater and i also guarantee that you will love being in the two-seater because it, it is something i mean you see the place and it's so massive brian it is so massive when you're doing the show out there you'll notice just how huge the place is and then <laughs> when you're going that fast it is absolutely amazing to go around uh, that I'll track bring- I'll bring an extra pair of pants. Yeah, you may have to. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but you may have to bring an extra pair of pants. So you're getting ready to embark on on a tour of the United States, and I saw all the dates in which you're going to do that. And uh, in terms of touring, you've been doing this for such a long time. Is it still as enjoyable for you now as it was, let's just say, back in the late 70s and especially in the mid-80s when you really started to break? It's better because there's more songs to play. Um, you know, back in the early days, I was making it up as I went along. Now I just look forward to each song as it comes. It's, it's a really, it's an exciting show. Here's what I like about it, and I guess this is kind of a double-edged sword, if you will, but you know, the, the technology of today, it, it allows so many different generations to enjoy your music like it was yesterday. I'll give you a great example. Like, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. I loved your music then, but if you were going to say, hey, you know, go back to the 50s and listen to all this, I would have struggled with it then because of the lack of technology but now i mean you get 
introduced every day to a new generation of those that can enjoy your music, even though, you know, maybe it was produced back in the 1980s. Is that a good advantage for you as far as, you know, continuing to create that fan base is concerned? Well, you've just sold me on it. <laughs> I'm trying because I hear, <laughs> hey, Brian, man, I hear so many times where it can be such a pain. I mean, just a pain in the ass to have, you know, I mean, just the way that things go right now with no, all that not, is. It's not know. a pain in the ass. It's, I mean, even even back when we were, you know, playing in America in the 90s and the 2000s, there was there was uh, a new set of fans coming. I mean, it it just happens. I mean, obviously, it'd be nicer um, if, if the new music was getting played as much. But, you know, you, you have to make way for the youngsters. Yeah. Do, do you ever get tired at all of playing the older no. music? No. I call it vintage. No, I, do, I do not. Because cause what happens, when, and you'll probably see this if you come to the show, is everybody sings the songs. Yeah. See, so it just it just like it's just like playing them again for the first time. He is Brian Adams who joins us. Carb Day, May twenty six. Tickets available right now. IMS dot com. You just hit the point that I make about Carb Days, especially because you're going to have such a massive crowd out there, and it is important for that crowd, I think, to know basically the catalog of music. And you bring that catalog of music, you know, whether it's you know Reckless or whatever uh, from the past. It. Yeah, that you bring that catalog. And everybody knows every word. And that not only is exciting for the crowd and for you up on stage, but that has to be tremendously gratifying to be and do this and have everybody know your music like that for such a long time. For sure. And that's one of the things that's gratifying about being a songwriter. is, is And that's why I got into it. It was just is the return that you get from having people sing your music and you know even when it was in the early days starting out and people you start seeing people start mouthing the words it's like oh wow that person knows the song and so now when you go out and play some of these songs are just i mean they're just part of the lexicon of music and pop music so it's it's really it's great when you look back, and Brian Adams joins us at, let's just say the 80s, for example, right now, is there, I know Reckless was just huge, but is there, is there a favorite album, a favorite song that you enjoy doing maybe more than others in this catalog? Well, I don't know if I should say so. Well, because, I'm I mean, just you know, curious. It's, it's, it's easier to <laughs> just to pick a hit and go, yeah, that one. Yeah. But to, to be fair, I mean, I've got a new album called So Happy It Hurts, and I love playing that. Yeah. Yeah, and what what should people understand about So Happy It Hurts if they're being introduced to it as a part of this tour or, for example, on the 26th over at Carb Day? It's just a up, really uplifting, positive song. I mean, it was something I wrote after coming out of that, that you know, dreaded lockdown. I wanted to make some optimistic music, and that's what this is about. So, Brian Adams, who joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, last week, and this goes back a year for me, uh, I saw Gordon Lightfoot a year ago almost to the date uh, here locally in central Indiana and thought it was so incredibly special. And then you fast forward to last week, Gordon Lightfoot passed away at the age of 84. He's a fellow Canadian like you, and I know he was somebody that meant a great deal to you as well. What was that relationship like between you and Gordon Lightfoot? Well, you know, first of all, both musicians, both guitar players, both songwriters, um, and I was I was already a fan when I first met Gordon. I mean, Gordon had had you know a number of years before me, um, so we obviously got to know each other. And I would go see his show, and he came to see mine, and we became friends. And so last week when he passed away, I lost a friend, and it's, it was super sad. 
When I saw him a year ago, he was 83, and I thought at the time that this is – it was as good as it would have been in 84, in 74. Well, see, you know, the it thing is, you're talking good. about songs. His yeah. songs were, were beautiful, and it's the music that lives on. And then that's what we're going to do when we come back to Carb Day, is we're going to bring back the music. Yeah, and see, that's what's, that's what's special about it, too. And you being a, a singer-songwriter, and you know, he was just one of the more incredible songwriters in the history of music, just in, in general terms. You, you take a piece away growing up, enjoying his music, and then getting to to know him you take a piece away from what he did at all not only when you know obviously you were first starting out but maybe moving forward even from here i think what you do is you you cherish your friends and your friendships and the people that you know that you love and yeah. that are around you and uh you just you know <laughs> i wish i could turn back the clock now because i wish i'd gone to visit him earlier or something you know because uh, it's gone. It's gone now. Yeah, so. it's um. It, it, he was amazing. It was he was eighty three, and it was about. I'm 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 up here in Vancouver at the moment. I'm talking to you. Um, I'm looking after my mother, who's ninety five. Wow. My mom, Brian, is 77 right now, well, and my mother gotcha. lives alone, too. So, yeah, it, um, it, it's, it, I mean, it's something. You get, a, you get flushed with memories every single time you, uh, you visit and take care of your mom. That's, that's exactly well, what happens. If I don't, she reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, um, we're relatable here because I call my mom, and I talk about it on my radio show all the time. I call her every single night, and normally it's about 30 minutes of her complaining about a lot of things. But it's 30 minutes, Brian, and it's daily, and that's what's special about it. Yep. And, you know, no cherish matter, it, man. Cherish you, it. You do. It's Brian Adams coming at you on May the 26th at IMS. Tickets available, IMS.com. Let's go back to the 80s, your relationship with Jim Valance, uh, the importance of that, writing songs. What, what made that combination so special for such a long time, Brian? Well, uh, we just like writing music together, and and we still do. And in fact, we last uh, last thing we did was a Broadway musical. We wrote Pretty Woman the Musical, mm. and uh, so I mean, it's just a couple of songwriters. You know, <laughs> we'd like to share stories as well. Well, I mean, and I, w- I would assume, I don't know, obviously, but I would assume it takes a, like I'm a sports talk show host here, and you kind of get to know, you know, connections between players and coaches that that go next level because the relationship just connects. It fits. Was that something that you guys knew early in your relationship that this had a, a, a real way to work out at a very high level? Well, it beat washing dishes, which was the well, the alternative. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, man, you would have found your path regardless. I mean, you're too talented not to find the path. But no, nah, seriously, that that relationship, it's it's hard. I am actually serious. The the the, the uh, it was about you know paying the rent, and uh, that's what I'm grateful about is to making music. I've been able to pay my rent. What was the first song song, if you will, where you knew? Yep. Uh, we're on the path here. This is this has got a well, lot of. Well, we knew it from day one. We knew from the moment we sat down together that it was, we were going to do something. I mean, whether we would be successful of it, we weren't sure. But at least we liked it, and that was the starting point. And so, when it comes down to music, you have to like it first. <laughs> so we couldn't we couldn't fake it. Um, there was no way of like today where you can just put it in a computer and it'll AI you something. Uh, we we had to actually come up with ideas and 
and round out the arrangements and play all the instruments. And there was no band, no manager, nothing. So, yeah, we were, we were just having fun. Yeah, I don't like Still to am, t- by the way. <laughs> well, and that's good too, man. You got it. I mean, that's that's we're talking about Gordon Lightfoot. We're talking about our our mothers. I mean, you, you got to have fun until you're no longer. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. I, I mean, life is not hassle free, but I I try to live it as hassle free as possible. And fun has to be a part of it, you know, job or otherwise. And I try very hard to do that. Sometimes you don't, you know, you don't make it, but you know, each and every night, as much like you. When you get up on that stage you will on the 26th over at ims i mean it's it's all about having the fun and then you know the crowd sees how much fun you're having man that's music and that's live music like that that's got to be special to you you know there's a synergy that happens uh, on stage and you you have to build it up so uh I don't think it, sometimes when you go out in a gig, you'll start out and it'll, it'll get going slowly, slowly, slowly. But by the halfway, t- you know, through the show, you know that it's it's moving and it's all about the music. It's always about the songs, and you know you got to get you know you have to build it in the right way. I've done this a few times now. I've done a few gigs now. Now so you, yeah, yeah, you have. I, I, I think I got to figure it out. <laughs> you, how many times do you know? How many times you've been to Indianapolis over the years? Do you remember? I don't. But the last time was I think nine. 1932? No, it was not. No, you're here in the. You're here a couple of times, and here's what's funny about it. Like I pride myself of because uh, I, I love your music. I, I have not only the sports talk show in the afternoons, but I have a, a radio show where I kind of turn back the clock a little bit. I take nothing but requests from people for six hours, and it's live music, and it just kind of oh, cool. yeah, it, it is awesome, and it's old school radio like that, which we we don't see. And you mentioned AI a little bit ago, and that's a dirty, dirty term to me i don't want to hear anything about ai and i think what i've noticed brian is how much that that your music and others from that era that stands the test of time and how much people still enjoy that music along with the grassroots of what radio represented and i find that out every saturday night and it was special because i didn't know that existed until you do it and you do it and you see that there's a a great deal of, of interest in it not well, you know, thank you. Yeah, music like you and uh, the 80s and, you know, playing live Don't shows. Don't forget Soul Asylum are coming. Yeah, well, I talked to Dave Perner two weeks ago, I think, and he was incredibly excited about playing alongside. Yeah, it's going to be a good too. night. It's uh, Brian Adams with us again, IMS.com for those tickets today. It's going to be a blast. Are you going to stay the weekend or and watch the race? Or are you out of here at some point? I think I'm going to stay a bit. I, you better. Yeah. You need to, I think. Yeah. So you get in that two seater and hang out and see something that you'll just, it's unbelievable the amount of people you'll see in that place on race day that Sunday. I mean, you I'm will. Looking forward to it, man, in a big way. All right. Brian Adams, hey, one final thing. Uh, yeah. I think, um, as far as my audience is concerned, one of your one of your favorites of theirs is Summer of 69. I'm sure you ask about this a great deal. Um, how'd that song come about and how was that relatable to you at the moment and to you as you matured moving forward as a musician oh it's just a great song to play live uh always has been and um uh you'll you'll see you know when we play it at the carb day that i probably won't have to sing the song at all you just hold the microphone out let Central Indiana sing that bad boy for you. Let it rip. That's <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia, which, by the way, I was there once coming back from Alaska. It's a great place to be right there, Brian. I can understand why you're there. 
Well, the sun is shining. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right, IMS, May the 26th. Brian Adams and Soul Asylum will be that show. Tickets available at IMS.com. He is Brian Adams. New album out, tour forthcoming. But May the 26th, you can all see him out at IMS. And hopefully we see you around. Two-seater, race day, something like that. Enjoy your time here in Indianapolis and have a great show coming up on May the 26th. And thank you very much for your time, Brian. Thank you. It's so happy it hurts. <laughs> it's Brian Adams on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Brian, hey, Brian, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Me too, man. Thanks a lot. Take it easy, buddy. See you, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Brian Adams with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. That's good stuff. I'm going to mark that one down in the book right there. Yeah, get your tickets now. I'm going to give some away coming up in a minute, too. You know what? In fact, let's just go ahead and do that right now. 239-1070. If you were listening to my conversation with the headliner, Brian Adams, here you go. Uh, number nine is going to go to Carb Day 2023 and Brian Adams and Soul Asylum. 239-1070. Number nine is a winner. Brian Adams again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And in case you forget, IMS.com. If you don't win these tickets, you can get them right now. Back with your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live and more. Coming up next. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And for those of you going tonight, Billy Idol is at Clues Hall. Next time, you guys got to get me a piece of that. We'll promote that bad boy. I have never seen Billy Idol. Billy Idol still does it and does it at a high level. And those of you that have tickets over at Clues tonight on the campus of Butler will have a fantastic time with Billy Idol. And that is tonight. Now, Brian Adams was just great. It's kind of funny. So Nick just sent me this uh, tweet and said, how much do you love your job? How cool was that? It, it all is awesome. I love it. I love talking to, you know, athletes, sports folks, and, and then doing that, obviously, for the sake of Carb Day and talking that up. And, and what was amazing about it, and James can tell you this, like, God, he just, we called him and he just answered his own phone. Boom, there it is. Now they were telling me, well, they're gonna, you know, people are gonna patch him through to you, and he's picked right up. Now, sounds like he's gonna stay here for the weekend too. I'm telling you, JMV guarantee you're gonna love that show. You'll love Carb Day, you know, even more than what you normally do. Hey JMV, I was a little surprised he didn't get more into detail with his relationship and longtime writing partner Jim Valance. Yeah, I brought that up, and I would agree. Uh, Jim Valance is probably one of the more noted writers, songwriters, really of all time. But he did not go into great detail over that. This is from Brian. Great interview, JMV, with Brian Adams. Carb Day is going to be great. Got to get Brian in that two-seater. Sounds like he's going to get in the two-seater. I think he mentioned he was going to bring uh, what he said was an extra pair of pants, which is pretty funny. Nah, that is that is really good. I promise you guys are gonna love it. 
from start to finish. Uh, Hatfield writes, this Curb Day is going to be amazing. This is the first time I'm excited. I just as much for the concert as the track activity with Brian Adams. Yeah, we were kind of going over this a little bit earlier. That was some of the conversation inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I did not see them. Now, this is going to be the first time I'm going to – I want to do, you know, obviously uh, the first half of the radio show here, and then I want to go over and watch Brian Adams for a little bit. I've never seen one of the shows. I remember when I used to not be able to get into the track, this is before I worked here, I was working at the other station, and we were at, um, uh, what's the restaurant that uh, Chris Hill owns over in uh, Speedway? We were there uh, doing a live show, and you know Robin Miller was with me, and um, that's when A.J. Foyt walked in, and Robin and A.J. were having a good conversation. I mean, it was awesome. It really was. But that was, I believe, the uh, Scott Weiland and STP Carb Day show. And most people would recognize that as being the best. Now, some would have, if they still say it, I'm not sure, but some would have said Kid Rock was absolutely perfect for it. Uh, Many have suggested Leonard Skinner to be perfect. As Doug Bowles told us a little bit earlier, his favorite of all time, and this was also a favorite of others, that would have been Sammy Hagar. But there is no doubt the biggest crowd that they have ever seen out there was in celebration of the 100th, and that was with Journey. I can't imagine we ever see anything like that again. That was like 75,000 people. That was absurd. But most people have suggested to me at the top of the list would have been uh, Stone Temple Pilots. And that's when Scott Weiland was still with us. So maybe at the top of the list right there. Uh, but good stuff from Brian Adams. That podcast will be up 107.5thefan.com. Speedway president Doug Bowles a little bit earlier. Uh, we talked to Sam Motson, a pro football focus on the show, and Greg Rakestraw. Uh, regarding a lot of things, high school-wise, these jobs are now being filled that were open. And, of course, some Indiana State baseball. Is Rab Johns on tomorrow? Jeff Rabjohn's going to join tomorrow because there are still some decisions within the transfer portal that are going to have to be made. And I want to get an update not just on IU but around the Big Ten and you know other teams around the nation, how they have done in what has now become, to some, um, must pay attention in this offseason. The college basketball, college football too, but certainly the college basketball transfer portal. So that's uh, Rap John's tomorrow. Who else is tomorrow that I'm thinking of? Yeah, Mitch Hanna's the head coach of Indiana State is tomorrow, and I think Kevin Bowen's on here coming up tomorrow as well. Hey, Skivy says there was a controversy when Hagar did it right. The sound was a bit off there. I can't – I didn't make it. This is going to be the first time I've actually ever been out there. The only time I was ever out there is uh, a former engineer here, Jake Robinson, put me on a cart, a golf cart, and took me backstage, and I spent about 35 minutes with Neil Sean of journey before the start of that show and that's pretty cool too and um that's the only time and i still did the show but i didn't go out and actually watch journey perform yeah 75k it was a little bit tough to get around out there 
Uh, but Journey's probably at the top of the list. Stone Temple Pilots is there, too. Everybody, obviously, when Kid Rock did it then, everybody enjoyed Kid Rock. And I will always maintain that you can enjoy just about anything out there because you're in the right frame of mind most of the time. Uh, but Brian Adams and Soul Asylum will be absolutely outstanding. So be ready for that. Again, ticketsims.com. Uh, should be absolutely outstanding. Hey, JMV, I was the one that guessed Miles Teller last year. I was a little bit off, but I was I was on that for, you know, the brand new Top Gun. And, and Doug was on a little bit earlier talking about they're going to start making some announcements. Those announcements are going to be coming next week after the Grand Prix this weekend. So be ready for those announcements. Those are forthcoming. is the number. I've got LL tickets before the end of the show coming up as well. Let me get Reggie on board here quickly. Hello, Reggie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing this afternoon? Fantastic, Reggie. Go ahead. I was actually at that Stone Pilots concert. It was in the rain. Yeah. My wife and I went. We worked our way to the front of the line. Unfortunately, we got to watch a guy urinate on another guy's leg, and they get tossed out by the state police. <laughs> and then my wife worked her way to the front line, and some guys came with their VIP credentials and kept trying to muscle their way past her. And I looked at her, and she goes, no, leave it be. The guy elbowed her one more time. She looked at the state cop in front of him and said, this guy keeps assaulting me. I've never seen somebody get thrown over the rails so fast in my life. Mm. But STP was phenomenal because he just got out of rehab and his voice sounded like they were recording an album. Yeah. You know, honestly, Reggie, to look back on that now, it's it's sad because you're right. I do remember that situation now. I know it was in the rain and I knew that Wyland had just got out of rehab and he was having he was having kind of a professional rebirth of sorts. And uh, and ultimately know where that went. That's sad. Yes, sir, but we did enjoy the concert. Black Rose was another concert you didn't yeah. look up out there. Yes. And it was fantastic. That's when he was still married to the actress. Yeah, Kate Hudson. He stood right on the side of the stage and watched. Yeah, Kate Hudson. Well, and, and he spent... And I, then he was a little awkward then, and I, I talked to Chris Robinson last summer, and I, I, it sounds like he's got a whole new perspective on life, which is good. But at that time, both he and Kate Hudson appeared to be a little bit messed up. Yes, sir. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Hey, Reggie, thank you for the call. Black Crows, I forgot about that. That was another one. I'm just going to look up Carb Day performances because I think they're online here someplace. Yeah, Carb Day performers. And again, this is just all, you know, your particular opinion here. Now, who do you like, who you don't? Let's say past, Carb Day past performers, maybe. Do it that. That might work better here. Uh, among those that we were talking about, I think uh, Brett Michaels has been out there before. Was Brett Michaels out there last year? Yeah, he was. He was out there with the Kings of Chaos group, I believe. But it is it's been a tradition. They have they've had some winners, but not everybody's always gonna be on board with it. As we talked about with Doug a little bit earlier. What's gonna be interesting is to see how much Shaq does around here too. Now Shaq is gonna be a part of the snake pit this year. Gonna be doing uh his wheels of steel stuff. That should be really fun. 
Uh, we were talking to Doug a little bit earlier about how long he would expect Shaq to be around, but also having these announcements come up uh, will make it pretty interesting, too. Uh, anyway, Grand Prix coming up this weekend. We gave away tickets for Qualls and Carb Day. And Brian Adams just joined us with a podcast at 1075thefan.com if you missed any of it. All right. LL Cool J has a show. We used to call it the Fresh Fest. Uh, it is not that, but he is bringing a lot of friends. Now, it is sometimes it might – I don't know what it's going to be here in Indy. I know Big Boy is going to be here. I know Bone, Bone Thugs and Harmony will be here. I think there are going to be some stops we'll have Common. Some stops will have Ice Tea, but it is going to be fantastic. And the headliner will be LL Cool J. We'll give you a chance to win those tickets coming up on the other side and close out the show with you as well. Coming up tomorrow, Kevin Bowen, per usual, on Wednesday. Mitch Hannes is the head coach of the baseball team that is Indiana State. I don't know how they're doing this afternoon. I believe they get Ball State today. But going into today, they had won 20 of 21, which is fantastic. Their head coach... Mitch Hannis joins us coming up on tomorrow's show. And as I mentioned, Jeff Rabjohns will give us an up-to-date report on who is doing well and who isn't doing well in terms of the transfer portal in college basketball. That is coming at you tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw, Sam Monson, Doug Bowles, and Brian Adams, the podcast at 1075thefan.com. What's on tap as far as the postseason of the NBA tonight? A little MLB action for you as well. We'll do that. Take your call and close out this show on a busy Tuesday next. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of the rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, LL Cool J from the uh, Bad album of the late 1980s. LL Cool J will lead what is going to be a great show coming up at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I believe that is in the month of August uh, with LL Cool J here in Indy. And I get a pair of tickets for you. Number 9 to 239-1070 will go on us. August the 20th at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. With LL Cool J at the lead. So that should be fantastic. Number nine at 239 1070 will go. Uh, check that out again coming up in the uh, month of, of August at Gambridge Fieldhouse. I was trying to check and see who they expected to be here. I think the Roots are going to be here as well as a part of that. All right, it just disappeared on me. I just had it here, and it just popped right away. Thanks a lot. It's one of those things where uh, you got to log in. Well, I don't want to log in. I just want to see here. Thank you very much. Who they expect to be. I believe it is a um, – no, it's not that exactly. It's in celebration of 50 years of hip-hop. So let's go down. Let's scroll down to August when it is uh, here. Yeah, there it is, right there. Uh, yeah, the roots. I think Ice T expected Jada Kiss, and yeah, some may have 
DJ Jazzy Jeff without the Fresh Prince. But it will change on certain tour dates right there. Uh, but number nine at 239 1070 is going to go see LL Cool J on us. Thank you very much. It's from Dennis at JMV. Can Doug Bowles put Brian Adams in the 500 parade? He's no Kenton McCord or Ruth Buzzy, but people would be happy to see him. <laughs> I love Ruth Buzzy. That was such a great tradition. When you got to see, seriously, when you were young and you got to see like Paul Newman here or younger, Paul Newman and James Garner around here, holy crap, that's a big deal. Yaney writes this, great to hear that Coach Hannes will be on tomorrow. The trees are on fire and should be higher ranked. 20 of 21, Indiana State right now. That's pretty awesome. And as Greg Rakestraw mentioned a little bit earlier, could be on target to maybe host a regional from what he had talked about. But they do, they have a lot of stories. And Greg was talking about Lane Miller, the pitcher who was a grad assistant and was just pitching batting practice and then got the call because of the lack of arms or some some arm wear and tear, if you will, and he is now 5-0 and on the season. That is a big deal right there. Awesome deal. But you're right, Yanny. That squad is absolutely on fire right now. Hey, JMV, I heard you talking about Tyrese Halliburton get, getting one defensive, all-defensive NBA team vote. Who do you think did it? I don't know. I don't know if that's something you can look up. It's, certainly, it's funny. O'Shea Brissett sent him a tweet kind of laughing about it a little bit, too. Hey, listen, there's nobody that I would want. He is going to be perfect for the growth of this team. Could not be more happy that he is here. But all defensive team in the NBA worthy, he was not. That is pretty funny. Solid. But he was not that. Uh, One vote. One vote is what he got. (laughs) He definitely was not that. Hey, JMV, I heard the start of the show, too, and you're absolutely right. There's nothing that the Knicks failed at last night that had anything to do with heat and humidity. They got outworked. They got outplayed. Absolutely right. I I don't even know why you have to come up with that kind of excuse, especially if you're watching it. Well, Jalen Rose will tell you that, well, I mean, What? That sounds like a hell of an excuse. I would believe the one where, well, you went out and you stayed in the club and, you know, you kind of got hit by the hangover here. It's not like I'm trying to make it right, but I could get with that. I could understand that and believe that. But the heat and humidity and being down in Florida for three days is just different. So you look like that last night. Come on. Anybody buying that, right? you look like that so we have made fun at that and that is just again that's where you go as a hot take artist you you go to a spot first of all hot takes are nothing more than just stupid takes 
disguised as hot takes, but that's where you end up going. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you're firmly in the land of stupidity. Sad news from College Hoop today where legendary Louisville head coach Denny Crum has passed away at the age of 86. Greg Rakestraw talked about Denny Crum at length back in the 3 o'clock hour. Greg grew up in southern Indiana and was a big fan of U of L athletics and certainly basketball. And during that time, certainly in 1980 and 1986, the 80s would have been the heyday. And he brought up something I did not bring up, and he's accurate about that. In 1983, um, they could have arguably had their best team. And the problem was that they did run into Houston in that national semifinal in the pit in Albuquerque, and they chose, because that was their style of play, to play the same as Houston. They didn't slow it down, and Houston put a thumping on them. And then clearly Houston was not ready at all for what Jim Valvano and North Carolina State did in slowing the tempo down. And then winning on that Lorenzo Charles dunk. But seriously speaking, I could get that too. That may have been the best Louisville team. That won at 83 that made it to the national semifinal and lost to Houston. And if you remember that game, that game may have been one of the more entertaining national semifinals. And IU fans will understand this. That was entertaining, but Houston won going away. If you remember in 87 how IU played up-tempo with UNLV and how they won that somewhat going away, but certainly won it by a couple of possessions when a lot of people felt they weren't going to and they should not be playing at the tempo of UNLV. Well, a lot of people in 83 said this Louisville team should not play at the tempo of Houston, and frankly, they said nobody could play at that tempo because Houston was just too talented, which probably was true. Alas, that's how Louisville played, and that's how they went about that, and they got tuned up in that national semifinal. Of course, winning it in 1980, Dale Griffith, Market Square Arena, winning it again in 1986 with Purvis Ellison and that group, and uh, that was Denny Crum. And Denny Crum passed away today at the age of, of 86 with your college basketball news that uh, certainly takes on sad college basketball news today. Legendary to say the least, Denny Crum. Hey, James, great job out of you today. Trackside, Beyond the Bricks, 7 and 8 o'clock coming up later on tonight. I mentioned to you, tomorrow's show, Jeff Rabjohns with a transfer portal update for not just IU, but everybody. Uh, Jeff joins us tomorrow. Mitch Hannes is the head coach of the Baseball Sycamores. He joins us tomorrow. Hopefully that I scheduled him to come on that they don't lose today. 20 of 21 entering today's action against Ball State. Winners of 20 of 21, the Sycamores. And their head coach will join us coming up tomorrow. And Bowen's going to be here tomorrow. More LL Cool J tickets and more Carb Day and qualifying tickets for you as well on tomorrow's show. I'll get Mark Janes on later on this week as well. My thanks to Greg Rakestraw, Sam Monson of PFF, Doug Bowles, Speedway president, and your entertainment for Carb Day, Brian Adams. Awesome. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Back with you tomorrow at 3. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Well done. Talk to you then.